This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Doing the heavy lifting, a study in the action of real praying. I hesitate to put the word real in front of that because, but I did it on purpose. And that is that there seems to be, like, every single one of us in here agrees that prayer is important. I mean, well, I guess there could be some rogue members that have just been forced to be here this morning and sort of like, I can't believe I'm in a church service this morning. Oh, Jesus, you know, patooey. However, for the most part, I would have a hunch that we're all in agreement prayer matters. Prayer does something. It's not just therapeutic. It's not just a gymnastic routine that we do for our own good. It is actually important in the eternal realms. There's something about prayer that matters. However, you can have that thought, and you can know it's the most important action of the Christian and not do it. And so one of the things that I am very sensitive to uh, today, even in my own soul, is I do not want to be a hearer. I want to be a doer. Thoroughly permeated in my life at every level, because there's certain things I'm doing. I'm really doing them, and I'm doing them, and I'm doing them. There's other areas that I might justify why I'm not fully doing it, because I'm partially doing it. I mean, that, that's better than most people. I mean, if I compare myself with modern Christianity, I gleam. But when I compare myself with the Word of God, eh, it's not always a gleam. And that's what I want all of us to do today. I don't want us to think about what's going on outside these doors. I want us to think about what's going on inside here in relationship to the Holy Spirit who is desiring to sanctify us. So doing the heavy lifting. Hebrews 5. So this is in the context. uh, The writer of Hebrews is referring to Melchizedek. And the writer says, you know, I have so much I'd like to tell you about Melchizedek. And all of us sort of perk up. It's like, I've been wanting to know about this. And yet, look at what he says. He says, of whom we have much to say, but this stuff that we have to say is really hard to explain. Why is it hard to explain? Since you have become dull of hearing. You see, he has something that he wants to share, but because those Hebrews were not in the healthiest state at the time, guess what? We didn't get the full message. Boy, what we could have learned if they hadn't been dull of hearing. See, it's hard to explain this stuff about Melchizedek. I don't know if any of you have ever taught on Melchizedek, but you'd find that the writer of Hebrews is correct. This is rather hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. One of the things that I've noted in my own spiritual life 
is that when I am not exercising as I ought, and if I'm gonna just talk about physical exercise, it's the same thing. I find that I am attracted to foods and activities that don't necessarily benefit my body. When I stop exercising, I become more vulnerable to the voice of things that break down my body. When you are in good exercise, when you are constant in it, have you ever noticed that it's easier to resist the things that you don't want to have in your body? Because you're more focused, you're more sharp in your senses. Same thing spiritually speaking. The Hebrews that are being written to here actually have become dull in their senses for lack of exercise in that which they know. If you know something and do not exercise it, you lose a discernment between good and evil. And as a result, the enemy is able to dupe you that much better. Here's a little sugary confection for you. And you are more susceptible to it when you are not exercising those first principles. Those basic things that we all know that we need to be doing. I mean, we've heard them how many times, of course, and we assume we're doing them because we know it and we have good doctrine and our theology is sound. And as a result, we assume that we are exercising. James, I'm going to give you a couple quotes from the book of James, and this is more the mentality. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So there we get into this idea of deception again. We are able to be duped when we are hearing truth instead of exercising and doing truth. And so what I want for each one of us afresh is to allow the Spirit of God to show us in every area of our life, if necessary, where we are hearing and not doing. We know a lot. We have some very well-educated Christians in this room. However, when we subside into hearing, we lose a sensitivity to truth and we lose our discernment, which makes us vulnerable to something known as deception. And we can deceive ourselves into thinking we're living a strong Christian life. And that's where I want to be watchful. The big move. This is just what I'm going to call it. Because when I was walking along that sand berm uh, in Southern California and had these great views... Uh, I was processing, it's like, okay, God, why is it that I am being picked on by the devil in so many different, they're all small areas, I, and that's, that's what kept going through my mind. Okay, I have a lot of flack and harassment from the enemy. Okay, when I arrived in, on, this, on the trip with my family, I think every single member of the family got sick. Okay, this is our great getaway, uh, and everyone was sick. And some of you know, we probably got, had the same thing during your Christmas break. It was, I don't know what that was that was going around, but my family enjoyed it. And uh, I had a whole season of my life where literally I stood for the health of my family, and I said, no. And I didn't have this type of harassment and so, God, why is it that I have so much harassment? Well, I mean, I, and I could go through a list. I made a huge list of different things. And here was my mental picture for it. See, I've been praying diligently in my life for a lot of things. I have quite the list of things I'm hitting on and I'm, I'm going after. And this is how I liken it. So I was picturing my house, and my house is a... Uh, ranch style, but it has a basement, full basement. And I picture sort of the enemy is coming in every day with trials 
and challenges. Just because of my job description. My job description just receives flack. I just get stuff in my life. And I'm used to it. No, self, no pity for me. I'm not having self-pity for myself either. It's, it's not an issue for me. I just deal with it. So the enemy brings in, let's say, 10 boxes. So you picture those like moving boxes. Okay, he brings them in. And then if I don't move those boxes out, he's going to stick stuff in them. And those boxes will get heavier and heavier. And then he'll bring more boxes in. He'll fill my whole living room with them if I don't do something about it. So when I wake up in the morning, I start moving boxes up. And I'm like, this doesn't belong here, out. And so I take that box out, take this box out, take this box out. I've done my cleaning for the day. That's my prayer time. And I realized that God was showing me my prayer time used to be something quite different. I used to stand at the door and say, you're not bringing that thing in, buster. So what, 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 what's going on here? Why in the world do I have these boxes in my house? I, no. And yet I felt tired. You ever felt like you know that you need to be really rising up to a whole new level of strength, but you're feeling like, (laughs) out comes (laughs) a wheeze instead of, (laughs) yeah, I had a (laughs) coming out of me, and I didn't like it. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's that? that? That doesn't go with the Christian life, a wheeze? The authority, the power of Jesus Christ, I wield his name. I am a Christian, a representative of him on earth, and out comes a wheeze. Something's wrong here. This was, this was my picture. You see, there are things that have happened in my life, extreme things, that I would call like someone coming into my house and shoving a piano down my stairs into my basement. At the bottom of my stairs, this piano goes, kung, 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 and lands and goes all over the place. And it's just like a mess. Not my piano, someone else's piano. I didn't do it, they did it. However, I got a piano at the bottom of my stairs. And so every day I'm dealing with my living room. And I'm getting those boxes out, but I can't figure out why I keep getting them in in the first place. And God's saying, you got a piano at the bottom of your stairs that you never dealt with. It's not my piano. Yeah, but it's still affecting you. God, it's a piano. I mean, I can carry these boxes. I have enough strength for that right now, but a piano? I can't. I, that's where the wheeze came out. I'm thinking about a piano. Then I'm thinking about a dresser down there. It's all rotted over. You know, one of those huge things that, I don't know, these furniture makers, they never think about the fact that people need to move these things. <laughs> As I got one of those in my basement, and I got you know some other thing that's covered with mold down there. It's just huge, weighs a ton. And, and so I'm in my prayer time, and I don't know how many of you are professional movers, but you usually don't move stuff like that by yourself. And so here I am in my prayer time, and I'm justifying. It's like, well, you know, I, I can't really shove that thing out and get it out of this. I've, I've, tried, I've pushed on it a few times. It didn't go anywhere. And that's what God put his finger on. This is where the message comes in, doing the heavy lifting. Eric, what authority do you possess? Are you going to be intimidated by that busted piano? Are you willing to go down into the basement, roll up your sleeves, and get it out? Grr. It was a slight grr. It wasn't a full growl, but it was the grr beginning to come back, and then it would go into the wheeze. You know, I'd get up the next morning and have a wheeze again. I don't want a wheeze. And that's where I want us to examine ourselves as a church. Are we growling or are we wheezing? Are we just moving out small boxes and tending to just try and stay on top of our lives? 
or are we digging out the junk in the church of Jesus Christ and setting things in order in this world? We are the chosen instrument of God to change planet Earth. And if we aren't even being changed by the truth, what type of effect do you think we're going to have on the world out there? No more wheezing. I should have called this message no more wheezing. (laughs) So the big move. Dear church family, you are all cordially invited to come to our big moving event at the church at Ellerslie this upcoming Saturday. This is a made-up event, by the way. Who knows? Maybe we'll have some big event on Saturday as a follow-up. But Dress in work clothes and prepare to break a sweat. You know, some of us come into our spiritual life all dressed up, all nice. We're not prepared to do the real work of the kingdom. We've got some serious work to accomplish. This church could change the world for Jesus Christ if we all actually do this. Hope to see you there. If you knew that by showing up and by exercising and working together as a body, we literally could set things right. We could change the world. If you knew that, if you believed that, would you show up? How would you appropriate this? Well, that's going to be hard work. This is the big move. Every single one of us might have a piano in the basement. You count up how many pianos that is. And where is the body of Christ going to say, we're rolling up our sleeves and we're getting this stuff out? I mean, some of us are getting tired even dreaming about it, thinking about it. Could you imagine here we are in here and we crack open the, the stage and we're like, well, let's just leave the stage there. Because underneath the stage is a dead elephant carcass. <laughs> it's like, who's carrying that thing out? I don't know. Uh, who, who's going to show up? See, I should not even mention to you the dead elephant carcass in the church. We should, I'll just sort of surprise you with that when you arrive. However, how are you going to respond to it? See, are you going to show up and look for small boxes? Are you going to come up with excuses of why I can't, I have a bad back, I can't really uh, you know, lift that much. And so you sort of hang out for the fellowship, get a coffee over there, but you actually don't do the work. You see, I'm not talking about a physical strength. I'm talking about a spiritual strength that you have in Jesus Christ, no matter how old or young you may be, no matter how bad your back may be in the natural realm, you have a good back spiritually that you can use because it's his back. You have what you need to move big things, but you need to know it and you need to roll up your spiritual sleeves. So Saturday cometh, recognizing the five different sorts of workers in the body of Christ. I want you to identify yourself in this list of five things. Where are you at? So we have the hearers, and you'll notice in your notes that it also is divided into the doers. So I'm going to give two, two types of hearers. Those that hear about the coming move, they esteem it, and so you have those that all week long are talking about the move, and they're, you know, they're saying, oh, it's just so good that the church is finally getting together to move these things out. They talk about it all week long, and yet they don't show up. I don't know, there's just something about that that's wrong. Are you a talker that's like, yeah, it's just good that, that we, you know, the church at Ellis is praying finally. We're finally getting together and actually praying. Or, or are you actually praying? How about the stand around and stare attendees? The ones that show up, but then sort of watch everyone else do the work and bounce on their toes. 
Right? They come up with little things that they need to do, like use the restroom 400 times. <laughs> In other words, they're afraid of the actual work. So they think that by showing up at a move that they are moving. When in actuality, they haven't done a thing. They are not exercising that which God has taught them. And as a result, they cannot discern good from evil. They are vulnerable to deception in their life, and even in a greater measure, because now they're being deceived into thinking that they're movers. When in actuality, they're nothing other than hearers. And being a hearer is a very dangerous thing if you don't add the doing. The doers. Now, this is where probably a lot of us would fall, just to be honest with you. However, I'd like to distinguish between different types of doers. The first one is the small effort with big excuses workers. In other words, they don't have the time to give what others have to give. They, they can't do, and they always will say things like that. I wish I didn't have 10 kids and I could do what you do. They have a reason. For some, it's their kids. For some, it's their job. For some, it's you know, some past problem or abuse that they went through. They just struggle with things. We are not a church of excuses. Jesus Christ has borne and carried everything. And he will endue us with the necessary strength and power to be able to perform at the highest level that a spiritual worker must perform at. There is no excuse that is going to be allowed in this body to remove you from the requirements of being a Christian. Christian. The I prefer light boxes workers. All right, I'm just going to get it out on the table. I've been a number five for seasons of my life, a big, heavy-duty lifter. And yet, in this past season, what I felt God put his finger on was I was falling into the four category. I was shying away, not even consciously, but unconsciously shying away from big stuff. It's like, I've moved so many big things in my life, and I've gotten scraped up because of it. I mean, you invite challenges into your life when you get behind that piano and start shoving. I don't know if any of you have ever moved a lot, but you get dings and bangs, and I mean, you come out of a, a good move, and you could have cuts and scrapes and be limping for a week. <laughs> and that's the way it is spiritually when you're moving not just your own stuff, but other people's stuff. It's like, what do you got in your basement here, bud? I mean, this thing's huge. <laughs> and so what I found myself doing is showing up for prayer. I mean, I do. I pray consistently, but looking for small things to move. All right, God, I see that box over there. I was like, I got it, I got it. I'll even take two small boxes, that's fine. Uh, yeah, Dwight, could you take the, uh, the broken piano in that person's life? In other words, shying away and wanting someone else to catch the vision for the big stuff, just for a season. When you do that, when you begin to coast even the smallest level, you may not know it, but you're not exercising what you know to do. And you become vulnerable to a dullness of hearing where suddenly you don't understand who Melchizedek is. You don't see it anymore. You can't comprehend the depths. You are subtly allowing a dullness into your life. So number five, the let's do some heavy lifting workers. The ones that show up make everyone else 
feel bad when they walk in and they roll up their sleeves and say, hey guys, we have the authority of Jesus Christ back in us. Let's move this stuff. And it's intimidating. It is. It's like, oh boy, we really going to move that thing? We're going to move it, guys. Don't you believe? Don't you know what Jesus promised? Don't you know what he purchased for us on the cross? Let's do this thing. What if all of us showed up like that? World changed. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And that's why we can be convicted over these things. You see, you showed up and you're actually moving things. Eric shows up every day and now I'm convicted? God, most people don't even pray. I'm praying all the time. But you're picking up the small things, Eric. You know what you're supposed to be moving. I do. But what? God, I have a wheeze inside of me. No more wheezing. Right in the razor edge of deception. Yes, you used to do some heavy lifting. And we could put my name in it just to make you a little more comfortable. Yes, Eric, you used to do some heavy lifting. But the fact that you once did doesn't equate to current doing. It is a funny deception that we can fall for. You see, every day is a new day of application of the truth of Jesus Christ. And yes, you may have done it yesterday, but don't ride on yesterday's laurels. Don't ride on yesterday's accomplishments. You wake up today, any more than you're supposed to ride on yesterday's uh, guilt and shame, you wake up with mercies anew. Well, you have mercies anew to go and lift some heavy things today, too, just like you did yesterday. So today, as the church of Jesus Christ, I want us to rise up and say, let's do this thing. A good father and a father with a thousand excuses. So speaking of fatherhood, you know, since I was on a trip with six kids, one of the thoughts that goes through my head a lot is the application of a father, because I know that my father in heaven has no excuses. He doesn't use excuses. He's just a good father. He's very consistent. And I know that in fatherhood, there's a lot of little excuses that can come in that could excuse me for being a good father, which is being a normal, everyday, bland you know, father that's there you know, to provide. And I've given this illustration before, but I show up after a long, hard day of heavy lifting, and my kids want to wrestle, or they want to do something that just takes a lot of energy. And there's a wheeze inside my soul. However, here's my challenge that I've had for myself and for you guys as a body for years. And that is, even if you've spent, say you started with 100% of your energy levels, and you've spent 90% of it already in that day, and suddenly the opportunity to be a Christian is standing in front of you. A lot of us say, I'm just too tired to do that. I can't share the gospel right now. I can't do that. I just don't have it in me to deal with this right now. All I have is 10% left. If I waste that right now, whoa, stop right there. Waste it? You have 10%. You give 100% of that 10% right now. And the thing that you'll discover is that when you spend your all for Jesus, when you risk giving up everything, when you put all your strength into pushing that piano and it doesn't seem like you have it in you, but you recognize, wait a minute, I'm not leaning on me anyways. This is him. Suddenly the piano moves. At your weakest moments, when you feel like you have nothing left to give, you give. You don't wheeze in those moments. You growl in those moments, but not with your human growl, with the spirit growl. 
God has something on this earth that he desires to accomplish. He simply needs the vehicle. You are the chosen vehicle. He moves busted pianos. He's looking for a body that will allow him to move busted pianos. He says, will you move busted pianos for me? I'll do the work. Don't I'll do the heavy lifting. I just need you to do it. But how does that work? Well, that's Christianity. Spadazzo. There's our Greek word for the day. To supply diligence, effort, to exert oneself. Oftentimes translated as diligence in Scripture. Spadazzo means to not just hear, but to do. This is what we need. It is the verb of the day here at the church at Ellerslie. We want spadazzo. We want to do, not just hear. 2 Peter 1.5. So this is what's typically called the graces. And so Peter is going through and he's listing that which has been given us by the Holy Spirit, but we need to apply something to it, and that something is spadazzo. So giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So you have faith, let's add to it. Let's add spadazzo, let's exercise the faith that we have. And to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you exercise, you will not be barren nor unfruitful. For he who lacks these things, he who does not exercise, he who does not add to his faith, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And as a conclusive statement, we have a therefore. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You want to walk strong? You want to keep these things out of your house? You don't want to stumble over what the enemy has designed for your life? exercise that which you know. Get a little spadazzo in the mix. Let's start doing these things. Spadazzo, just so you could focus on the word. To do it, really do it. That's my definition for you guys. It's not, if you looked it up in the concordance, it's not going to say to do it, to really do it. However, that's what it means, to do it. Really do it to show up on moving day, roll up your sleeves, grit your soul's teeth, and say, let's do some heavy lifting. What needs to be moved? Oh, a dead elephant carcass underneath the stage? No problem. Let's do it. Do you get intimidated by the big stuff? Do you get intimidated by the fact that we, in this room, have issues? And some of them are big, daunting, and heavy. Do you get intimidated by the fact that you may be called upon by the Holy Spirit to help move some things out? Do you find yourself shrinking back? And they overcame him, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now, I grew up memorizing the NIV and so I've always loved that one statement. In fact, you'll hear me oftentimes refer to it uh, that's shrinking back. And that comes to the NIV. So I stuck it in there and gave credence to the NIV there. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see, we have a tendency to shrink. And this is what I've noticed over the past month, month and a half, 
is that Eric's been shrinking back. It really bothers me even to say it to you, but I'm just getting it out on the table, just in case you're doing some shrinking too. But Eric's been shrinking back from what we could call death or the hard thing, the difficult thing. It's just like, oh, boy, I've been dealing with the difficult thing for so long. I want a break from the difficult thing. I don't want to just die all day long. Come on. Can't I live a little? Shrinking from death. Or another way we could say it is shrinking from the dead elephant carcass. Oh, oh, who opened up the stage? That's in our church? Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Cover it up. I don't even want to see it. I want to ignore that. As opposed to saying, lift it up. I'm not shrinking back. Could you imagine a whole bunch of guys roll up their sleeves, just walk straight forward towards it? I mean, it's might be goopy. We don't even know what we're dealing with. How do you move a dead elephant carcass? I don't care, but God knows. Let's move this thing. So another way of saying it is dying to self. Another way of saying dying to self is dying to ease. You ever notice that you have a craving for ease in your life? At every turn, it's like, oh, if I could just have a season of ease. To comfort You see, if you're in North America, then you feel that comfort is an inalienable right. I don't know where we got that, but it's a weird thing, which is why materialism flourishes in our culture. You see, we think we deserve it. We think it's actually part and parcel of the gospel, that when we come to Jesus Christ, we get ease and comfort. I don't know where you get that in Scripture. That's actually not what it says. You are comforted. But that comfort is a spiritual comfort, a grace that is given you amidst turmoil, crisis, and war. In other words, you are promised difficulty and supplied the grace and the endurance and the comfort to go through it with joy. That is how the Christian life works. So the other thing, the third thing is dying to what we can call passivity. Passivity is... Uh, it's allowing something to remain without fight. It's allowing something to come into your house and not putting up a stink about it. I had a whole season, and I've returned to this season, by the way, and this is, this is really odd. It's, it sounds funny to the ears, and I'm going to say it anyways. But for most of my married life, I allowed sickness in my home, in the Ludi home, without a fight. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's just normal. People get sick. And then one day, I stood. And I said, nope, nope, we're not dealing with this. We're going, because every time we get sick, it'd take us off our game. We couldn't minister the gospel. It's like, oh, we can't go on this trip because Leslie's sick here. We can't do this because of this. Wait a minute. No. So I stood up. And I got that dead elephant carcass out of the basement. And it's amazing. I went on this whole season in our life of literally standing at the door, and when the enemy would say, oh, I'm just going to get a little cold in, I'd say, no, I don't accept that. A cold, a runny nose, a little cough. No! I literally stood at the door of the Looney home and said, no, it's amazing. Well, now we have all sorts of coughs, runny noses, issues, and Eric is just taking, you know, I pray about him. It's like, God, could you remove this? And I take out the box daily. Instead of dealing with the dead elephant or the broken piano, standing at the door and saying, that box isn't even coming in here. It's a whole new level of aggressiveness that Eric has, for whatever reason, become somewhat passive. I say somewhat because not totally passive, and that's why I justify it. It's like, no, I'm not passive. I'm fighting. 
but you're carrying small boxes, Eric. You're not dealing with the big stuff. The big stuff is big, and I'm tired. So are we shrinking back from hard work? We have a whole generation that looks at hard work as the plague. I, mean, I don't know exactly where all of you fall in this, but when I was going through school, the dream was, I mean, we'd have entire discussions as young people to discuss future careers that were easy and made a lot of money. What makes the most money and demands the least amount of work? That was our entire goal, which is why during the summers, everyone wanted to be a lifeguard. I mean, that was the enviable position. I couldn't stand water, so I never went after that job. <laughs> However, that was the entire mentality. Now we have a whole bunch of people that hold those signs and fly them up in the air and do their thing. That's like the dream job. They listen to their music all day long and do their little thing. I always feel really bad for those people. It's like, do you know how bad you look? <laughs> but we fear hard work. It is a phobia within our generation, and it's applied to spiritual matters. Let me bring up prayer. If you think prayer is easy, you've never really prayed. Prayer is hard work, which is why many of us want to talk about it, but don't want to do it. Are we shrinking back from effort given? You know, when you have kids and you're training them, you can tell when someone gives effort to it. Spell cucumber. It's like, okay, no, give some effort. Use what you know. You know the answer to that. I just told it to you yesterday. Cucumber. It's, it's a K sound, but not a K. Come on. Give some effort. You know what to do. Can't you imagine what God's thinking? I've taught you this. We don't need to go back to milk. We already laid those foundations. Give some effort. Use what you know. You know what you ought to do in this situation. Do it. How about do we shrink back from challenge, whether it be mental challenge, physical challenge, relational challenge? Some of us just hope things will go away. You have those relational issues. It's like, oh, I don't want to even have to deal with it. Yeah? And as a result, it festers in your basement. Financial challenges. Oh, I just want to ignore these things. I don't want to deal with this. Practical challenges. You see, challenges are inerrant to life, but how you appropriate them and how you respond to them is the essence of your Christianity. You need to rise up and do the heavy lifting. In each of these areas, do not fear hard work Embrace it. If you have a bad attitude towards hard work, repent. Hard work is Christianity. It's what we do. We wake up every day and say, God, spend me. Use me. But it's his working in and through you. But he's a hard worker. He is a hard worker. You should go back to my message, work ethic, the Christian work ethic. You know that God works? He does. And so God goes to work every day, and we're his chosen instrument. So if he's working, how's he working? Through his body. So if his body has a bad work ethic, I guarantee you they're not in agreement with Jesus Christ. Ian Bounds, the superficial prayer, or the one who prays, 
So the superficial prayer subsides into silence when the answer is delayed. But a man of prayer hangs on and on. I have used this, Leslie and I have used this one statement of subsiding into silence over and over again. It's like, I do not want to subside into silence on this. And so I actually looked it up online. It's like, Ian Bounds subside into silence. Because I remember I read this years ago, and it was a very key phrase for me. To give way to just silence. I'm not going to pray over this anymore. God doesn't seem to be answering. And so we give up. We push on the broken piano. It doesn't seem to budge. And so we leave it there. Oh, you cannot allow the enemy to stick his junk in your life. Get it out. It's just like, I've tried. I've pushed on it. The superficial prayer subsides into silence when the answer is delayed. The man of prayer hangs on and on or keeps pushing and will not relent until that thing is out. Prayer is hard labor, but it is a labor for which you and I have been supplied sufficient grace. You must decide to spudazo, to really do it. You must show up, roll up your sleeves, and expect to break a sweat. In 1 Peter, this is talking about sufferings, physical sufferings, physical trials, but it's the same attitude. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Well, well, prayer is hard. Yet do not consider it strange that the spiritual life that you've been called to involves challenge involves heavy weights. That shouldn't be a surprise to you. What kind of Christianity did you get taught? Christianity is a form of labor, but it is a labor that you have been given grace to accomplish. If you dig in your own pockets and try and pull off Christianity, what do you have? You have a little lint in there. So you try and exercise your lint, you're not going to accomplish anything. But you dig into God's pockets, and what you find is power, grace, strength, endurance, courage, boldness. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. And so there is actually no excuses for any of us in this room for allowing the junk of the devil to remain in our life. Nixing those excuses. We have a a lot of excuses. These are just some of them. But the last time I did that, I hurt my back. Do you ever notice that the enemy will oftentimes link past experiences with current challenges that the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart? And so you immediately remember your back pain that you had for three months after you went and tried to move that piano. And so what's the piano saying to you? You can't move me. If the piano wins, if the devil wins in this situation, ooh, bad for your life. And so as a result, don't let the enemy give you an excuse. You see, I have certain memories in my life, soft spots in my life in regards to prayer. I had a whole season when we were praying through the night, we were wrestling for things. We saw extraordinary things happen. Ellerslie came out of that season. And yet I did certain things so audaciously in that season And I got hit harder than I've ever gotten hit in that one season over certain things that I did spiritually in prayer. And I find that I still hesitate when it comes to praying through the night, when it comes to what's called praying through and holding on and not moving from my position until it happens. Like this is one prayer time. I will not budge until. I find myself getting a little queasy. 
I'm reminded, the last time you did that, Eric, do you remember what happened? I sure do. Am I going to let those excuses stop me from going down and dealing with some of these pianos? I've got a heart problem. If my heart rate climbs above 120 beats per minute, I'm a goner. I'm not strong enough to pick that thing up. I've got some other pressing matters to attend to. I don't want to be seen carrying around a dead elephant carcass. How embarrassing is that? I don't want to be associated with that. I don't know what your excuse might be, but let's nix these excuses. No more wheezing. Let's actually freshly resolve and ratify within our souls that we're believers. That we trust that God is able and desirous to clean his body, to purge his body of all that is weighing us down. Those weights that are besetting us, he's saying, throw them off. You have the authority to do so. The ask. So in scripture, it's very clear that we are to ask. Ask and it shall be given you in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. But I know that even now whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Whatever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Two different scriptures. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraids not and it shall be given him. He who knows what he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do you know what you ought to do? You need to ask. <laughs> if that's not clear, I mean, how many times do we need to hear it? This is the word of God. It cannot lie. It's authoritative in our life. All it needs to do is say it once. Saying it over and over and over again. Out of the very mouth of Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh when he was here on earth. Boom! Ask in my name. We know what we ought to do. We need to start moving these things out. We have work to do, saints of God. But that work may look a little daunting. I, I've had moments where you, the devil would not want to mess with me, where I have such a clear vision of the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, and I'm in a prayer time, and I just know things are happening. You ever had that? You just know it. And I've had other times when the enemy just seems really big, and my prayers seem pathetic. I don't like that. And I don't want to hang out with that kind of praying. I want to have a clear vision as a church of the bigness of our God, the ability of our God, and the fact that our God desires us, even commands us to go after these things. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Who are we dealing with here? Who are we asking one who will do exceedingly and abundantly beyond, above that which we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Who are we asking? This is an amazing thought. The one we are asking, so he says ask. Well, who are we asking? The one who asks us to ask. So we're not just asking, you know, some guy down the street is like, hey, buddy, I know you've never met me. Uh, my name's Eric. And I was just wondering, could you move your pickup? We're not asking someone who has no interest in our affairs. Someone who has no clue about the dead elephant carcass or the busted piano. 
It's like, yeah, uh, sorry, I know you don't know me, but would you mind coming in and helping me move a dead elephant carcass? They're like, excuse me, who are you? We're not dealing with just a nobody. We're dealing with Jesus Christ, the one who asks us to ask and promises that he will answer if we do ask. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. That's pretty solid ground to stand on. Matthew 7, listen to who we're asking. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now listen to them. God is going to reveal, through Jesus Christ's words here, the actual nature of God in prayer. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asked bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Ask. You know what you ought to do. Do it. And do it in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Why can we ask? Well, because he's made a way into the throne of grace where the asking is made and the answers are found. You're not speaking from a distance, yelling, hoping that somehow your words will make their way to God. In the midst of this cacophony of noise on this earth, there's a lot of people that could be praying at one time. How's he going to hear your prayer? By faith, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are clothed in Jesus. And his work becomes our work, and he is the way to the Father. So we enter into his death. And then when he's buried, we enter into his burial. And when he resurrects, we're in Christ. And so we rise to newness of life. And when he ascends, where does he go? As our high priest, he enters into the throne room of grace itself, into the Holy of Holies, and sits down at the right hand of the Father. And where are you located? What is your position? You're in Christ. You've been brought into oneness, not just with Christ, but with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And when you pray, you pray in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, to the Father of whom you sit at the right hand, enthroned in Christ Jesus. All things are placed under his feet. He has authority over all authorities, crowns upon crowns upon his head. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and you find yourself in him. That is where you do your asking. So why can we ask? Uh, well, we're in Christ. We, are, we have access to that position. And the Father treats our requests as if they're the very requests of the Son. And his answer is already yes. His answer is predetermined. The answer is already yes. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The authority of the believer There is nothing in your own home that you don't have the spiritual muscle to lift, move, and get out of there. You have been supplied the authority, the power, and the strength, the spadazzo, to really do it. You've been given everything you need to start doing some heavy lifting. I know, I I understand, even in my life, which is a healthy life, I have a healthy marriage, I have a healthy family, I have healthy ministry, it's not like I have some hidden sin. My dead elephant carcass is like someone else's accusations against me, for instance, that I still have to process through. It's like, God, what? I have challenges just like you do. You can be healthy, you can be unhealthy. We all have life. We have challenges and we have a devil that seeks to devour us. We're all in the same situation. 
but we all have the same authority in Jesus Christ to push, to move, to get the enemy out, no matter what his tactic is. The enemy has changed tactics on me. I'm going to get wiser as the years go. But I have certain things that just cannot get in my house. Oh, yeah, I know what the enemy's doing. But there's other things that I've never had before. The enemy has come in sideways or through a window, and I'm like, huh, what? Who's that? Is that God or is that the enemy? And as a result, I've been passive. And that's where God has sharpened me over the years. Sometimes you just need experience because I wasn't discipled as some people here at Ellerslie are being discipled. It's sort of the hack job way of growing up in Christianity. I was discipled mainly by dead people in and through books. That's not the easiest way to do it because you can't just walk up to Leonard Ravenhill and say, so in this situation, what, what do you see? He's like, oh, well, that's, see, I walked through this when I was a young lad your age. I didn't have that. I've craved that. But we, as the church of Jesus Christ, when we know we're in hostile territory, we take a position of watchfulness, diligence. We are ever ready, recognizing the enemy seeks to devour us, and we are seeking to live a life to the glory of Jesus Christ. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's speaking to his disciples, and uh, this is unfortunately a rather challenging scriptural context, but I have another one that says the exact same thing. So just in case this one trips you, he's just talked to Peter, called him the rock. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he says it again in Matthew 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's like to tie up, to resist and to restrain. The enemy makes a move, and you say, oh, no, 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 no. Here, here's a rope. You're not going any further. Whatever you do, whatever you bind, Jesus is saying, I've given you the authority to do this. This is your position in Christ, in covenant relationship with the king of kings. Whatever you bind will be bound. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if, the, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Taking it up a notch. So the difference between passivity, dutiful maintenance, and authoritative management. I've waffled in the past uh, month and a half between authoritative management and dutiful maintenance. I didn't realize it, but I had sort of subsided into dutiful maintenance. I'm being a good Christian, I'm going to maintain, I'm going to get those boxes out. Yeah, the boxes are coming in, sure, but they're going to go out. And every day I do my dutiful maintenance job. I take them out and I say, okay, check, check, check. And I stopped asking the question of why those boxes are getting in in the first place. Why do I keep getting this stuff? Why do I keep having these harassments? Wait a minute. And that's where I've recognized I've lost that authoritative management. Nope, not on my watch. This will go no further. Out! And when Eric understands that, my life, my marriage, my family, my ministry changes. And so that's what God's been reminding me of. And you just happen to get stuck in a message immediately following that reminder to me. Let's do some heavy lifting because there are a few busted pianos, rat-infested wardrobes, rotted dressers, and dead elephant carcasses to start moving out of the house. Yep, 
Some rather disgusting stuff might be lingering inside this house. And I say, let's not just have dutiful maintenance and try and deal with whatever will just keep a smile on our face to keep us at least somewhat outward in our focus. But let's deal with the deeper stuff that the Holy Spirit is wanting to do to see us sanctified as believers so that we actually are strong to change this world around us. Earlier this last year, we had a movement of grace in our midst where God was showing us that he's wanting to build us into the praying and the confessing church. To be a confessing church, you need to be a praying church. To be a praying church, you need to be a doing, spudazo type of church. A church that is diligently applying that which it knows to do. If we start applying that which we know to do, we start pushing out the junk, we will be strong to deal with other people's junk. If you don't deal with your own junk, you're not going to have anything to deal with others' junk. We've got a lost and dying world. We have a church that is crippled today, that is needing to hear rise up and walk. We need to be walking first. So let's allow the Spirit of God to raise us up unto newness of life. Let's pray. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.